Yes, I that's am not, That's not evil? Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil? Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said, I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't don't use those kinds of slurs. What? Are there no slurs here? Definitely, our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That's what they. That's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. Is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello and welcome to another episode of EMJ Live. Broadcasting from beautiful downtown Eureka, Montana today, where the snow is falling and the uh, Canadian border is two miles away, uh, the middle of nowhere. Great people here, great conference, some people from Canada coming down. But the uh, big news from our uh, neck of the woods uh, is that I just watched a video by uh, Bishop Strickland. You remember Bishop Strickland? He was a former uh, Bishop of Tyler, got removed by the Vatican, the American bishops. And now out of the blue, he issued a video attacking me as an anti-Semite. I knew you were going to say that. Uh, but before we get into this, uh, we're going to have to have a little bit of context here. It was kind of peculiar. Okay. So first of all, you got Bishop Strickland coming on. And the first thing they talk about is a pilgrimage. Okay. The next thing he talks about is the Hope is Fuel Conference. Okay, and then he announces that he's the spiritual advisor for Patrick Coffin, who sponsored the Hope is Fuel Conference. And that because of that, uh, I was mentioned there on that conference, he had to issue a clarification. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. The old Hope is Fuel is old news here. Okay, first of all, what did happen there? It was an online conference. Uh, Patrick Coffin had a bunch of people and uh, I show up as one of the people he'd interviewed me already, you know, and suddenly the, the thug uh, Mark Shea shows up and he starts bullying people. He goes to the people on the conference, contacts them by email and says, you will be a bad person if you associate with E. Michael Jones. Now, how someone who calls himself a Catholic can talk this way is beyond me. Jesus Christ settled this, okay, a long time ago when he ate with tax collectors and prostitutes. So even if I'm guilty of some horrendous crime, nobody who associates me is going to be held responsible for whatever my, my crimes, okay? But so that clarifies that issue. But then the second question is, wait a minute, wait a minute, Your, Your Excellency, this is old news. 
where were you when the controversy was raging? Where were you when Mark uh, Shea was going after people, calling them anti-Semites if they associated with me? You were nowhere to be found. Why weren't you here? Why weren't you giving your advice then? If you had told Patrick Coffin then to uh, dump E. Michael Jones, he probably would have. But to his credit, uh, Patrick did not dump me. Patrick stood his ground. Patrick did not throw me under the bus. Under like uh, weaker spirits like Janet Smith, who said, no, I'm not going to cave in. And then she caved in, folded like a cheap suit. So what's going on here? Well, let's get back to the pilgrimage. I think it's about the pilgrimage. It's not about uh, it's not about hope is fuel. That's old news. The pilgrimage is uh, Bishop Strickland is going to be leading a pilgrimage with uh, Patrick Coffin to a couple places in Europe. Okay, that's fine. Okay, but there's a problem here, and it's not my problem. It's his problem. And what is his problem? The fact is that he just went on pilgrimage to Medjugorje. Oh. Well, wait a minute, that's a problem. And I didn't have anything to do with that other than being the messenger that brings the bad news here, which is that both of the previous bishops of Mostar condemned Medjugorje as a fraud. And on top of that, uh, the Bishop's Conference of Yugoslavia condemned Medjugorje as a fraud. And here is a bishop who is going to a place that's been condemned as a fraud, ignoring his fellow bishops. Now, this is really kind of stupid. And I think it contributed to the fact that he's no longer Bishop of, of, of Tyler. Okay. Uh, I think that's what we're talking about here. Uh, the, this is, he, he established his reputation among this crowd. Let's call them the itching ears crowd, which I've already talked about in an article in culture wars. You can subscribe to that and find out the article. Uh, he already established his reputation by saying the reason he was canceled was because he didn't implement Traditionis Custodes. I'm sorry, but I don't believe that. Um, the real reason is that he was involved in a real estate deal with some shady characters. And on top of that, he was going to make Michael Voris, the, the America's premier bishop basher, the media consultant or media authority in this new, this new uh, venture, uh, Catholic community venture called Veritatis Splendor. That's what's going on here. The, the crowd that would be naturally inclined to go to uh, the Latin mass crowd who would be uh, favorably disposed to him immediately dropped him like a hot potato. The mini went to Medjugorje and that put in danger the whole future pilgrimage uh, that Coffin and, and uh, Bishop Strickland are uh, doing in, uh, in May. That's the reason for this. It's not anything that I did, it's old news. Again, I want to say that I, I commend Patrick Kaufman did not throw me under the bus. He stood by me in spite of the fact, and here is Bishop, Bishop Strickland now attempting to throw me under the bus long after the bus left the, de the depot. That bus is way down the road, Your Excellency. This is about something else. Okay, so what did he do? He starts talking to me, calling me an anti-Semite. Now, this is not charitable speech, Your Excellency. The worst thing you can say about anyone in this screwed up culture of ours is that it's an anti-Semite. You can call him a cattle rustler out here in Montana and nothing will happen. You can say he's a, you can be a Muslim basher. But if you are condemned as an anti-Semite, that's it. It's a death sentence. And here he is doing that to me for no good reason, okay? The only people who call me an anti-Semite, the people behind it are the Anti-Defamation League. It is their business to attack people as anti-Semites. And here is the Bishop of a Catholic, the Catholic Church following the lead of the enemies of the Catholic Church, the ADL, in a way that is completely disedifying for a Catholic bishop way below the dignity that a Catholic bishop should have. So let me just straighten things out here. I've said this a million times. If you, I, I don't want to bore you, but I have to bring it up again. What is anti-Semitism? The, the Nostra Aetate, the Catholic document that he referred to in Vatican II says the church condemns all forms of anti-Semitism. That's great, but what is it? Well, the church didn't define it. Now, if you go back to 1965, when this document is 
was passed. I guarantee you that every bishop who signed on to that document had one definition in mind, and that was the definition of the man who created the word anti-Semitism in 1871, and that was uh, uh, Wilhelm Marr in his book, Des, Des Siegdes des Judentums über das Germanentums, and the anti-Semitism was a biological term. It was biological determinism. It was Jews had bad DNA. Now, that is preposterous. Catholics cannot believe that because everyone involved in the great drama surrounding Jesus Christ had the same DNA. It makes no sense. I have never said that. The church has never said that. I have, this is why I, he says, I say I'm not an anti-Semite. Well, Your Excellency, this is why I say I'm not an anti-Semite, because I'm not. It has a definite definition. That's what it is. And anything beyond that is not true. And that's what I believe. Okay. So from there, we go into uh, from one problem to another. Now that we didn't define anti-Semitism, now that we wield that term without defining it, now that His Excellency starts talking about the Jews. The Jews. He said, um, the Judean leadership, not the Jews, killed Christ. The Judean leadership, this is not scriptural. I know what the word is. It's hoi judeoi. Hoi judeoi is the Greek word, the Jews. Okay? It's not the leadership. So I beg to differ here. So we get into now this great uh, discussion here, uh, aided and abetted by Janet Smith, once again, who has serious problems uh, defining categories. And he and she says to me that he uses the, the term uh, the Jews as to implicate all Jews. How many times, I mean, you know what I've been saying. How many times have I said there is a difference between the Jews and all Jews? The Jews does not mean all Jews. If it were all Jews at the time of all Jews crucified Christ, what about the Blessed Mother? She was a Jew. She had that DNA. She was standing at the foot of the cross. Did she yell crucify him? Did the beloved disciple standing next to the Blessed Mother yell, crucify him? He had the same Jewish DNA. No, of course not. This is the difference between the Jews, which means the Jewish people, which is an entity that was mobilized for political purpose then when it was called the Sanhedrin and today when it's called the ADL or the IPAC or major Jewish organizations for political purposes. Now, I don't know how many times I have to say this, but if they're too dumb to figure it out, it's not my fault. Sorry. Okay. And then he goes on to talk about the Holocaust. And he says, I deny the Holocaust. How many times have I said, I do not deny the Holocaust? If you're talking about the suffering of the Jewish people and other people at this time. What did I say? I said, we have two things here. We have a category of the mind and a category of reality. What is the category of reality? When Eisenhower shows up at Ordruf, there are dead bodies all over the ground. I am not denying the existence of Ordruf or Dachau or Buchenwald or any of these places. I am not denying that there are dead bodies on the ground. I am saying that that became the foundation of a propaganda campaign that resulted from pace imposing a category of the mind on that category of reality and the category of the mind was known as gas chambers. There were no gas chambers at Ordruf. If what I said is false, point out the error, Your Excellency. If what I said is true, why do you strike me? Who said that? Okay, I'm saying it to you, a direct challenge to you because of what you said about me. Okay, so I didn't say it was divine retribution. These are all things which gets down to the fundamental issue here. Why don't you read what I wrote before you shoot your mouth off attacking me as an anti-Semite? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be helpful? Where does this come become absolutely obvious as soon as he brings up the word Dachau? Now, it, you have been following me. You know what happened. The biggest surprise I got when the book, The Holocaust Narrative, came out was the counterattack from the Nazis. 
not from the Jews, from the Nazis, who attacked me for saying that there was Catholic suffering in the concentration camp. I brought it up. And the Nazis attacked me saying it was all made up. I, if you look, open the book if you have the copy. Your Excellency, if you want a copy of the Holocaust narrative, I'll send it to you free of charge, okay? And you can open that book up and you will see that the last chap chapter is my analysis of Christus in Dachau, the memoir of Father jo Johann Lentz about his time spent in Dachau. I have not denied, I'm the only guy who brought it up. What I'm saying about the Holocaust narrative here is it was hijacked. The Jews hijacked the Holocaust narrative. When I was a boy in the first, in the early years, in the 1950s, the paradigmatic concentration camp was Dachau. And one of the, the main group that suffered in Dachau were Catholics, especially Catholic priests. And that went down the memory hole. That was destroyed three years after Christus and Dachau came out when Elie Wiesel brought out his book, Night, in 1958, when the uh, elegant French of Francois Mauriac, Elie Wiesel did not write that book, okay? And at that point, the paradigmatic camp became Auschwitz, no longer Dachau. Dachau went down the memory hole, and the only people whose suffering mattered was the Jews. That's the hijacking that I protest and I explain why it happened, how it happened in this narrative I wrote called the Holocaust narrative. Now, Your Excellency, if you read the book, you would know that, okay? And you wouldn't have been lecturing me, wagging your finger at me for not talking about Dachau when it's the last chapter of the book, which you did not read. Okay, so we're faced with two alternatives. Either Bishop Strickland did not read the book, did not read the Holocaust narrative, in which case he was negligent. And he accused me falsely of something which I did do and something which I did not do. That's not fair. Okay, if you had read the book, you would know that I not only brought it up, brought up Catholic suffering in Dachau, but of being a, a pillory for bringing it up on the internet by the Nazis. Okay, second possibility. Either he didn't read the book, in which case he's negligent, or he did read the book, in which case he's lying. Now, what's it going to be? Which one is it going to be? There are only two alternatives, and I expect an answer. Okay, did you read the book, or did you not read the book? If you didn't read the book, why are you accusing me of things which I did not say? This is serious because you're lending the Episcopal office to an accusation which is not true. And I have the right to a good name, certainly from a bishop, because the fundamental problem we have in the Catholic Church is that the Jews now get to determine who is a Catholic in good standing. And this is a classic example of what I'm talking about. If you go to your pastor and you say, there's this guy, E. Michael Jones, out there, and we need to bring him in, and he needs to talk about this important issue. What will that pastor do? I guarantee you, the first thing he will do is Google my name on the Internet, and the first thing that will come up will be the ADL's character assassination of E. Michael Jones. This bishop took that character assassination without contacting me, without reading the book, and levels the worst accusation that anyone can make against anyone in America right now against me. And that's not fair. So, what are we going to do? I, again, am going to defend Patrick Coffin. Patrick did not throw me under the bus, okay? Bishop uh, Strickland was missing in combat during the whole time. Now he brings it up when the issue is dead and we're he was really talking about another issue, namely the fact that he embarrassed himself by going to Medjugorje and distracting everyone from that because he wants to run this other pilgrimage by attacking me and attacking my character. This is not right, not right, not right for anybody and certainly not right for a bishop of the Catholic Church who is my shepherd, 
I deserve to be protected by my shepherd, not attacked by my shepherd. Okay. So again, I'm going to appeal to Patrick Coffin because he's a decent guy and he has a, a, pas a passionate commitment to conversation. That's what he said right after uh, Bishop Strickland said that. And, so, and says the answer is to talk things through. Well, Patrick, I'm going to hold you at your word. I want to come on the, your program again, and I want to talk things through. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. Okay, Dr. Jones, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. Perfect. All right. I think we're working. I think everyone else can hear me. Um, hi, this is Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant, all the way from South Bend. Technology is wonderful. He's in Montana. I'm in South Bend. You guys are across the world listening to this. This is great. Uh, quick rules for those who are new. <clears throat> Collins are made in our Telegram channel. Uh, link is in the description uh, to that Telegram channel. Uh, in Telegram, I'll call on those who raise their hands. And then later in the stream, uh, we'll read off text questions from the chat, mostly from Cozy. Uh, try to keep questions and subject. Try to keep to one question at a time. Be respectful for everyone's time and do not forget to unmute yourself. I have to unmute you, then you have to unmute you. Okay, let's do the first person here and I hope you can hear it, Dr. Jones. You should be able to. Let's go to Cypher Zone. Go ahead, Cypher Zone. Hello, can you hear me, Mr. Jones? I can. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, I'm Brazilian and I speak Portuguese. There is a very influential uh, thinker in Brazil. It's called Professor Olavo de Carvalho. And I want to ask you if you, if you know uh, some of his works. His main work is the Garden of, of Afflictions. In Portuguese it is Jardins das Aflições. And I want to ask you if you know him, if you read something of him. Yes, I have read. I have read his stuff. I'm not as familiar as I should be, but I know who he is and I know what he's been writing about. Okay, okay, thank you. But have you uh, have you ever read something of him? I to be honest with you, I've done so much research and I can't can't really say off the top of my head uh, whether I'm reading what he wrote or reading reading reports about what he wrote from my readers in Brazil. So at this point, I can't give you a definite answer to that. Okay, okay. That is a, a brilliant job. Uh, did, uh, he did, uh, he did a, a discussion with Professor Dugin. It's one of his most famous works. It's not uh, his best work, but it's one of his most famous works. And, but he's very influential in my, my language. Everybody's talking about him and everybody's reading him. So right. I was right. wondering. Thanks for bringing that to the attention of the uh, of the Anglo world here. Uh, my my book, by the way, is uh, Libido Dominandi is available in Portuguese, so you can mention that. Okay, too. And also, the uh, generic modern is also available in Arabic as well. Good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So that's it. Thank you very much, Mr. Jones. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. Okay. Next, who was it? Where was Dagtastic? Uh, go ahead, Dagtastic. Don't forget to unmute yourself. Are you there, Dagtastic? I'm sorry, <laughs> I forgot to click the unmute button. How are you today, Dr. Jones? Good, good, good to hear from you. Likewise, I got rid of that statue that you said for me to get rid of, and you know, the, my room feels better and, you know, I, I don't tend to get quite as mad. So um, I think that Magdalena statue was, I'm not saying it was cursed, but it might have had some evil vibes about it. I know that sounds kind of new agey writing, you know, and it, it probably had some demonic whatever attached to it. Okay. Okay, thanks for calling. Oh, and I just have one last thing. Um, I'm, I'm also reading for lunch. I'm reading the Dolores Passion of Our Lord Jesus Christ as given to Anne Catherine Emmerich. Have you read that? No, I haven't. No. I read uh, Brentano was very, it was part of the uh, Romantic Revival during Germany in the 19th century. 
Brentano uh, was a great uh, prose stylist in German and uh, helped her. But no, I, I, I came across it at a time when I was just overdosed on private revelation. I did it. I came in contact with it around the time I was doing the Medjugorje book. And so I, I, I didn't do it justice. No, I haven't read it. Okay, do you do you think that Anne Catherine Emmerich's stuff in general is reliable, or do you think that her commitment? That's, that's well, the whole point. You have to make an evaluation. You can't base it. You have to make an evaluation according to natural reason. There's no supernatural charism here that will allow you to do it. And I simply didn't have the time to do it, and so I just left it. I tried. I was thinking of it in another context, but I just never got around to it. So I apologize. I can't really give you a good yes or no on that, because I'd never really got involved in it. That's fair. Like, a lot of the stuff, we're, we're just going to have to take it on faith and whether there's any obvious heresies. No, and no, that's, wait, sorry. You can't take this. You cannot accept this on faith. You have to accept it on reason. There is no charism. You accept the gospel on faith, but not private revelation. No private revelation gets accepted by faith. It gets accepted by natural reason. Anyway, thanks. Thanks for calling. Thanks for bringing that up. Okay, thank you, Dagtastic. Moving on here, let's go to Kino Mike. Go ahead, Kino. Hey, how are you? Can you hear me? I can. Oh, hey, just two quick questions for you. I'm in the Philadelphia area. Do you think, uh, will there ever be a return of ethnic neighborhoods of Philadelphia, like when you grew up? And, yeah. Uh, yeah, when the Hamong arrive, there will be a Hamong neighborhood when the uh, people from, you know, the, yes, the, the ethnic neighborhood is part of nature. And whenever a new ethnic group comes, if they come in enough, uh, enough numbers, they will establish their own neighborhood. The uh, Mexican town is one of the vibrant neighborhoods in Detroit right now. As I said, it's part of nature. The difference is they will not be uh, the same Northern European ethnic groups that were the original uh, Surge during the 19th century. That's not going to. I don't see that happening ever again. So, so, so my second part of that is is no. I don't know if it's really a question, more of a comment. But I'm I'm trying to buy a, a house in this area, and Philadelphia is such a a rat hole unless you're rich. That all the all the, all the people I grew up with are, are now living in Delaware County, and I guess that's where I, I where I should look at. You know, like Falcroft area, like you mentioned. Yeah, you're right. The, all of the parishes like most blessed sacrament in South Philadelphia were ethnically cleansed by the black people that were brought up by Leon Sullivan with money from the Ford foundation. And they did that because the one of the famous parishioners from MBS was Martin Mullen, who was a state Senator who held up the contraception bill because he was head of the finance committee in 1964. And the wasp elite never forgave the Catholic church for doing that. And they destroyed MBS. Read the slaughter of cities. I tell this story in detail. So, you know, much as, you know, you would love to go back there, I, I'd have to recommend Delaware County because at least you have some, that's the most Catholic county in Pennsylvania because of this ethnic cleansing. So, you know, much as I have, I have nostalgia for the old neighborhood too, but uh, it's it's not going it's not going to happen. You Unless you can find, one of the uh, examples was, was Fishtown. My, both my wife's family yeah. and my family come from Fishtown. My mother's family came from Fishtown. You have to be a millionaire to live there now. I know. That was the whole point I'm trying to make. When we got back from Germany in 1976, oh. we could have bought a house for a song. I could have bought my grandmother's house for a song. And now you're right. You have to be rich to live in Fishtown. So this is the story. We have the whole story of our friends here from Cincinnati. I told them to do that. In over the Rhine, they didn't do it. It's a moment, a window of opportunity. It doesn't stay open forever. So I, you know, sorry about Philadelphia. Hey, uh, thanks for your comments. Will you ever? Will you be coming to Philadelphia or the area anytime I'm, soon? I'm or? going to be coming soon. I mean, I'm going to be coming soon. I'm working something out. So uh, you'll hear about it on this channel when I do. All right. Thanks a lot. You're welcome. Thank you, Kino. <clears throat> Who is next here? Mark, let me, let me let me just I just like to add something to what he just said. I arrived in I mean, believe you, believe you me, Eureka, Montana is like the middle of it's there. It's like forest and everything. And I walk into the lodge here where I'm staying and the guy who is the manager of the lodge is from Philadelphia. 
And not only is he from Philadelphia, he's from Cardinal Doherty High School. That was the biggest Catholic high school in the world. And so what we're talking here about is the tragic consequence of ethnic cleansing. These people were dispersed to the four, four corners of the earth, mostly to Delaware County, but all over the place. You know, there's, these are sad stories. Our lives were wrecked. The transmission of the faith was wrecked in Philadelphia by ethnic cleansing. We lived in a particular place at a particular time, going to a particular church that had a particular ethnic identity and that was all destroyed. And you think you can destroy that without affecting, first of all, the transmission of the faith? No, you can't. And secondly, you think you can destroy that and not affect Philadelphia? Yeah. Check out Kensington now. Check out Kensington zombies, the fentanyl zombies staggering around. That was a working class neighborhood of, of, of poor, not poor, but in working class Catholic families with modest incomes, but nonetheless, who were able to buy a row house and raise a family there. And that was all destroyed by the WASP elite who hated Catholics. Okay, I'm sorry. Go to the next question. All right. It was uh, Mark Hamilton. Uh, go, uh, go ahead, Mark. Hi, Dr. Jones. Thanks for taking my call. I can attest to some of what you're talking about in terms of Southwest Philadelphia and MBS Parish. Uh, I was baptized there. And uh, as a former Philadelphian myself, moved to Delaware County, I've seen some of the, uh, uh, the migration that left the city. Uh, I wasn't really aware of it uh, being an adult at that time, but nonetheless, uh, the aftermath, you, I was When well were you baptized? Well. When were you baptized? Well, that would have been 1956. 56, okay. <laughs> 56 to 66 is the high point of MBS. 66 to 76 is the ethnic cleansing of, of, of MBS. That, that was the crucial period, and there was a Father Me in there. I don't know whether you remember him, but uh, he wrote a memoir and blamed himself. And when I tried to talk sense to Cardinal Kroll about what was going on, he didn't want to hear it. He want to hear it. You know what he said to me? I'm trying to tell him the story about the forces behind us. He said, you can't tell people where to live. A man who was blind uh, to the, the plight of his flock and just ignored it. Anyway. So if you're in Delaware County, God bless you. I hope you do better there. But we'll never go, we'll never go back to, to MBS. I'm sorry. No, I'm I'm afraid you're right. I I I I, I admire your courage, Dr. Jones. You, you're not afraid of slings and arrows, that's for darn sure. Um, the reason I wanted to uh ask I'd like to want to ask you one other question, if I may, and that's regarding supersessionism. Um uh, Robertson Janus just wrote a book at your request, at your uh, behest. I ordered it and have read it, and it is excellent. Um, I, I was wondering if uh, you see any hope on that front. Do you see the bishops coming to any kind of realization and trying to um, recultivate the understanding of uh, supersessionism as the Roman Catholic Church being the new Israel? Is this right. ever going to be spoken of? Yes. No. If you read the book, I if you read the book, you'll you'll realize we we were instrumental in this, uh, Bob and I. The bishops came out with their catechism. The American bishops came out with their catechism, and it had said that the Mosaic Covenant is eternally valid. And Bob wrote an article in Culture Wars that said that's heretical. And then lo and behold, they changed it. They changed it, and then there was questions like, was it because of culture war? No, no, it had nothing to do with it. Well, I'm sorry, but I think it did have something to do with it. But the the real the the good news here is that when they the bishops took it seriously, they took the challenge seriously, and they tried to get it in public, and they couldn't do it. But when they were in private, they vindicated church teaching, and they voted like overwhelmingly to remove that sentence from the catechism. That is a vindication of supersessionism, which is to say basically that the Catholic Church is now the new Israel and the true Israel. 
Okay, we are the children of Moses. The Jews are not the children of Moses. If they want to become the children of Moses, there's one way, and that is they can be baptized and join the Catholic Church. That's the only way that can regain their status as the children of Moses. Now, the church, when you push them to the wall, they vindicated that position. And I have said, ever since I wrote the the Jewish revolutionary spirit, that the church is going to come around and they're going to, it's ultimately they're going to vindicate the position that we took and say the supersessionism is the true teaching of the church. And I'm saying it's it's already happening right now. Amen. I'm glad to hear that. Because you. Um, you seem to, you, you have a crystal ball. And, and by that, I mean your reasoning and your faculties. You're, you're a brilliant man, Dr. Johnson. Thank God for you. Uh, and you. Robert and Janice. You, yeah, you take care of yourself, Doc. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. Thank you. Good to hear from Philadelphia. And by the way, I don't have a crystal ball. So right. but anyway, if I had a crystal ball, if I had a crystal ball, I'd place a bet on the Super Bowl. But I don't have a crystal ball. All I have is Logos. Uh, and uh, that's all I've been given. That's what I'm trying to do here. But anyway, thank you. Great to hear from the crowd in Philadelphia. Hey. Next question. <coughs> Oops, sorry. Excuse me. Uh, next question here. Um, where was it? Quentin Heisler. Go ahead, Quentin. Hi, Dr. Jones. How have you been? Good, Quinn. Good to hear from you. I, I enjoyed our last uh, discussion. Really high-level discussion. So thank you. Thanks for calling. Oh, that is the most spectacular compliment I could ever receive. Um, I've been getting a lot of effusive feedback on our conversation. And ah, people were about me. Pardon me? I said, I wonder why. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're not at all. Um, somebody did pick my brain and I didn't have an answer about when we talked about the October surprise and the dynamic between um, you mentioned in Islam and Logos that the simultaneous counter revolutions of you know the uh, in Iran and the Reagan revolution. So that makes me kind of dubious as to why would the Iranians have wanted to sabotage Jimmy Carter's reelection if he was sympathetic to the Palestinian cause. That could have gotten the ball rolling on bricks 40 years earlier. Well, the, no, the, 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 uh, why, let me get this straight now. Why would the, why would the, uh, Jimmy Carter tried to free the hostages? Okay. It was a debacle. Yes. The, the helicopters all crashed and they burned and the Ayatollah Khomeini came on and said, every, every particle of sand was guided by Allah into their helicopters and destroyed them. So it was a huge debacle uh, for, for the Americans, a huge embarrassment. And the people who capitalized on that uh, were the embarrassment were the Republicans. They wanted to get rid of Jimmy Carter. The Jews wanted to get rid of Jimmy Carter. They didn't like him. And so why would the Ayatollah go along with that? They, they, he did go along. It was money. He got $24 million, basically, to uh, prolong the hostage crisis. He prolonged the hostage crisis until Reagan was elected. The day Reagan was elected, the hostages were released. It's that simple. Very short-sighted on his part. I mean, I did, again, as, as you mentioned about Carter and one of the most um, – probably the most pro-Palestinian politician in America. So I think that was a very foolish choice they made. I agree with you. It was really short-sighted, but hey, as, as we used to say in Philadelphia, money talks, nobody walks. I used to say it on the South. Anyway, I, I, I would like to talk to you about aesthetics at some point or other. So let's let's oh, let's, okay. let's stay in contact because I heard that's that's what your, your metier is. That's what your main field of interest is. Is that true? Um, I, well, I mean, I'd like to, I wouldn't call myself an expert on it, but I do have a lot of fascination with it. So okay. that definitely let's get together and talk. contact me at Jones at culture and let's set up another, cause I'd like to talk to you about that. Perfect. Be well, take care. Thank you. Thank you very much, Quentin. Okay. Let's do a couple more here and then we're going to jump to, the various chats in like five minutes. So you guys start asking your questions. All right. Next we have flat earth, Eric, go ahead. Flat earth, Eric. Don't forget to hit your unmute button. 
Any luck, Flat Earth, Eric? Maybe his audio isn't working. Okay. The, the, the beams are not going around the flat earth. They're bouncing off the, the bottom of the flat earth. It's not, the beams aren't working. All right, next time. Um, let's see. Um, uh, Beanus. Go ahead, Mr. Beans. Thanks, Mike. Hey, Dr. Jones. Thanks again for the show. Um, I wanted to ask if by chance you got to see the uh tucker carlson interview of putin and if you had any thoughts on that i did not i did not i uh i've been traveling i did not have a chance to see it so i'm hoping to 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 uh, view it uh, as soon as i get back uh i if i i saw an early report and it turns out it was a complete fake so if you see me we, we deleted it immediately because it was a fake and i didn't know it was a fake fortunately my friend jerry caught that so i don't have anything to say i won't have anything to say until i, I review the interview okay no problem uh, do you think maybe you could comment on the recent uh hearing with josh holly and mayorkas i don't know if you caught that I'm, I'm not sure what you mean by the most recent i did see uh josh holly rake uh mayorkas over the coals for not uh, guarding the southern border. And I saw Mayorkas play the Holocaust card. I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. That's what they say whenever they get in trouble. Uh, then after that, there was the uh, impeachment proceedings and apparently two Republicans turned on them. So he wasn't impeached. That's all I know as, as of right now. Okay, thanks, Dr. Jones. God bless. You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, moving on here, let's go to Don Roberto Vincente. Go ahead, Don. <clears throat> can you hear me? I can. Hey, how you doing? Dr. Jones, thank you so much. Oh, wow. What a what a um, pleasure it is to speak with you. Thank you very much for taking my call. Um, sir, I'm sorry that you had to deal with that with, with Bishop Strickland today. That's terrible. Um, I had similar vibes. I went to the dog park, okay? And there's all these boomers sitting there talking about how all the migrants are flooding into the country and, you know, this is going on and that's going on. They're talking about every conceivable problem uh, with the country. And I go, hey, guys, do you know that the Republicans and the Democrats are both run by the same group of people? Um, you know, people that have dual citizenships with Israel and uh, their heads exploded. They couldn't even, you know, somebody called me a Jew hater. <laughs> well i apologize for the boomer generation you know i happen to be one of them i don't like to talk that way but what can i say it's that's that's the way people are that's why we have to have this discussion because we're not going to come to any type of resolution unless we can name who's doing it uh and and uh, this is the, again the the same just uh, reviewed a book in french the review will come out uh, soon of a man who's trying to, what's the problem with America? Well, it's les neocons, les neoconservateurs. Well, no, it's the Jews. And it's, oh, well, he's a Jew. And so he has problem naming the problem. Well, unless you can name the problem, you can't at any way get a solution. I've already explained to you that what is my position? Secret Judeus non. No one has the right to harm the Jew. The other side of it is the Jew doesn't have a right to destroy your culture either. Between those two pillars, I think we can come up with a, a modus vivendi, a way of discussing this problem. But if people are going to Im immediately react with this knee-jerk uh, you know, type of reaction, it's not going to work. Not going to work. We have to move forward. We've got a solid foundation in reason. We just have to have the courage of our conviction to say, no, no, we have to talk about it. I don't care what names you call me. Sorry, but we're going to have to talk about it. Uh, do, I have, do I have time to ask you one more question? Sure. Uh, I wanted to ask you about hollow costianity. Do you know what that word means? Well, it's a conflation of Holocaust and Christianity. And it's basically a Christianity that accepts the Holocaust as some type of article of faith. No, no. Basically, all right, I um, figured out by going to mass daily, I go to mass every day. Um, I lost my, uh, I lost some family members recently during the, during the COVID year, during 2021, three generations of my family all passed away. And so 
I end up going to mass every day. The only way I can console myself. Anyway, um, I realized uh, by going all the time, you know, I keep on hearing this word Holocaust brought up in the Old Testament and Samuel and Kings and different things. I'm like, what is this burnt offering? Okay. Holocaust means burnt offering. Um, and then you realize that, you know, the Jesus story, the reason why we have the mass, the reason why we have the Eucharist and all that, that's, you know, an inversion of this burnt offering that the Jews used to do back in the day where they would take, you know, one, a, a male unblemished right. and sacrifice it, burn it completely um, to God for penance and prayer. And right. then Jesus came down, and then that's what he became. He became the the Lamb of God, who and, and they they sacrificed him, right? right. Well, right. they use this word Holocaust, and it's blasphemous. Okay, they have they have replaced wait, themselves wait. with Jesus in the West. Wait, wait, there's nothing wrong with the use of the word Holocaust to describe the burden. I believe it is. No, if you conflate that word Holocaust with the word as it's conventionally used, if you're using that Old Testament as a justification for Jewish privilege based on their interpretation of the Holocaust during World War II, that's wrong. But why would they call the genocide that happened to them the Holocaust? Because uh, at the beginning, uh, Ailey Wiesel said that the Jews were killed in flaming pits. That was 1958. What I'm saying is they're making themselves Jesus. They are the lambs of God. They're making they're they're replacing Jesus with themselves in the West, and we all worship them. Holocaustianity. That's what I'm saying. Well, I look, if you're asking me, does that did they do that? Yes, they did. Read the quote when you read the Holocaust narrative, look up Claude Lanzmann. The, the French filmmaker, he, he says this explicitly. The Holocaust replaces Christian religion. It's the new religion that replaces Christian religion. Obviously, that's wrong. You can't you can't believe that. But you can't say that what happened in the Old Testament is the same thing. It's not the same thing. Holocaust means burnt whole. If there's ever a Holocaust that took place during this period of time, it was the firebombing of Dresden. There were no flaming pits in Auschwitz. I guarantee you that. Alien Wiesel made it up. And that's not Holocaust denial to say that. It's simply scholarship. Anyway, thank you for your call. All right. Thank you, Don. Let's move to Cozy here. And I'm, start, I'm going to start reading off chats. All right. Uh, first, uh, from a user, um, for Dr. Jones. Uh, Dr. Jones, uh, what do you think of Stephen Crane's uh, The Red Badge of Courage? Good novel. Good novel. They are. Good novel. Anything else besides that? Just, it's just good novel? It's not on my mind right now, but uh, I mean, uh, I read it. Uh, you know, it is what it is. It is what it, it's I good. It be part, I think it, it should be part of the canon of American literature. I think there should be a canon that's all been exploded now. Uh, but, you know, that's my opinion. By the way, I just now you're bringing this up. I'm working, thinking through another project about what it means to be an American. And the reason I got this, because I got an email from a man who said he traces his ancestors back to 1683. He said he became a Catholic because he listened to my podcast, read my books. And he says, now I don't know what it means to be an American. And I think that's an absolutely crucial issue right now, because identity politics has destroyed our identity as Americans. And I think we need to regain that identity to drive this group of maniacs out of the government. And I'm talking about Biden's minion. I'm talking about the 457 Jews who are driving this country into one war after another. It's got to stop. And the only way it's going to stop is by the grace of God and by the, the unification of the American people. It happened after World War II when the, Morgan, the Jew Morgenthau was going to starve the German people to death Christians like Herbert Hoover stood up and said, we do not, America does not go in, does not follow Semitic vengeance. Semitic vengeance should not be the basis of our foreign policy. We have to regain that identity as Americans and reassert our control over these Jewish usurpers. 
Kingfish AF on Cozy asks, uh, did a little demon attach itself to Strickland after leaving Medjugorje, and that's why he's attacking you? This is not a joke. This is not a joke, okay? I said uh, in my Medjugorje book uh, that Medjugorje is infested with demons. I said that because I had long conversations with Philip Pavich, who was a Franciscan priest who spent hours in the confessional hearing all sorts of bizarre tales told to him by pilgrims of the room suddenly turning ice cold, of people being strangled by their own rosary beads. I got a call from a man in Boston, a Unitarian, who'd gone there with a bunch of pious Italian ladies. He said, I, I need to talk to you because something happened to me. I was in my room in the pensione. The door was open. This woman, naked woman, walks through my room and walks through the wall. He said, what do you think that was? I said, do you think, do you know about angels? And you can't tell with Unitarians. He said, yes, I, I know. I said, well, there are good angels and there are bad angels. And I'm saying what you saw was a bad angel because when the Blessed Mother shows up, she usually wears clothes. She always wears clothes. Okay, this is the type of reason that I'm saying that Medjugorje was infested with demons. This is not an exaggeration. It's not a joke. People pick up demons there the way you pick up bed bugs in a bad hotel. And one of the main things that results from this is a danger to your marriage. There's a demon there by the name of Asmodeus. This is Father Pavich telling me this, and his job is to break up marriages. So don't go there. Don't go near the place. It's a bad place. St. John of the Cross said, the devil rejoices when people seek private revelations. And believe me, the devil has been rejoicing over Medjugorje now for decades. Don't go. From Untermensch, a question for EMJ. Is the term counter-Semite more accurate to describe your views? I would not use the term Semite because it's a racial term. Juda Judaism is a religion. We are talking about a conflict between two groups of people who are Semites, who had the same DNA, who were disagreeing over a theological issue, namely, is Jesus Christ the Messiah? So no, I would not use the word Semite at all. I lost my scroll here, so I'm looking for some questions. But I think a question that I was going to ask that I can't find, uh, how is Dr. Jones going to, ah, there it is, recapture his good name? I'm assuming oh, By the grace of God. By the grace of God. When uh, it's, in the, it's in the Bible, uh, when people, um, blessed are you when they, say all these bad things about you rejoice and be glad for great will be your reward in heaven this is the basis i'm willing to suffer for the truth because in the long run i believe that the truth is great and it will prevail i'm not doing this for money okay i'm doing it because i support the truth because i believe in the truth and it's that simple and because i believe in the truth i believe that god will eventually bring about my vindication It'll be as broad as it's daylight. It'll be broad as daylight. If you want to read what I read, when I think this way, read Psalm 37. From Veritosity, uh, question, uh, what, what's the conference uh, you're attending in Montana? Can you share the details? Yeah, it's a rise. It's a kind of a guy who, a Canadian, who uh, basically uh, converted about because of reading Logos Rising. He called the organization Logos Rising. He attempted to bring a lot of different people together from all different places. Uh, so it's a lot of interesting people. I'll share one anecdote, uh, which I thought was interesting. A couple came down from Canada. We're only a couple miles from the Canadian border. When they got to the Canadian border, <laughs> the uh, U.S. Customs agents say, uh, where are you going? Where are you going? Oh, we're going to Eureka. Are you going to that conference? <laughs> Wait a minute. The Border Patrol knows about the conference. So they know what the next thing they say. Bishop Williams is scheduled to speak. They say, do you know that Bishop Williamson has been excommunicated? Wait a minute. Where does the Border Patrol talking? Where did that happen? It's refreshing to know that the Border Patrol thinks about Bishop Williams. This shows you how ridiculous this whole thing is. 
They got the, the entire government is up. They got their knickers in a twist because we're having some conference in Eureka, Montana. I tell you, Logos is rising. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Well, Logos is rising, Dr. Jones. Wait until you see that Tucker-Putin interview. You're going to have a blast watching that. Um, question on Rumble uh, from Happy Merchant. If the WASP elites hated Catholics, why did they let them into America in the 1800s and early 1900s? <laughs> because they needed him to do the work. It's always a conflict. I had a German friend I, who I really respect. I, I was talking about Satanism as the hidden grammar of America. And if that's the case, how did we get so wealthy? I said, in spite of the Satanism that comes out of Calvinism, and you'll read this in the essay when it, when it appears in Culture Wars, but they're very simple because America was a genius when it came to work, mobilizing labor. And the greatest genius in this regard was Henry Ford. Well, you can have the greatest genius in the world, the greatest system in the world, but if you don't have workers, it's not going to work. And so they had to let these people in. And these people, my ancestors, uh, slaved away for basically nothing, uh, and they created the great wealth of, of this nation. Uh, and so it's a combination of, you know, the mobilization of labor, and you have enormous, an enormous country full of natural resources. So they let it, they let them in because uh, they wanted to keep them. So my uh, my great aunts were maids on the main line, uh, working for the wasp elite, who you know loved them as maids, I guess. And when the uh, Catholics got uppity in Philadelphia, and they decided to uh, became because of their demographic increase, became the leading group and took up a ruling position in Philadelphia, sixty two. July 4th, 1962, I've said this before, I was I was 14 years old, and there was a Catholic president on the, the, the uh, platform, Catholic governor of the state of Pennsylvania, and the Catholic mayor. And the WASP elite decided to destroy their political power, and guess what? They destroyed Philadelphia in the process. So it was in spite of all that, you know, that it happened. From Rhino Soji, um, if Jews don't accept Sikos Judeos non, what can we do as Christians? Uh, you can uh, pray for their conversion, and because many Jews are converting, uh, the Jews, as I said, and all Jews are two different categories. Okay, uh, you can pray for their conversion, and you can work for their conversion by having courage. I, you know, I'm, I'm honored that you say I have the courage to stand up to these people, but we all have to have this courage. And believe me, there's strength in numbers here. And we have to stand up and say, no, this is not hatred. This is love. You know, there's somebody just put out a video of it. I, I said, I, I love Jews because they're my enemy. And Jesus Christ said, we have to love our enemies. And I said to the Jew, I said, you know, so you should love me back. <laughs> and he burst out laughing. But that's the truth. We have to be have the courage to speak honestly. We have to have the courage to suffer for the truth. Because if we're not willing to suffer for the truth, we're going to end up being destroyed. It's that simple. So that's what you can do. Be bold. Fortune favors the bold. From Colin the Crusader, uh, Dr. Jones uh, what do you think about Catholics who slander our saints, uh, Vincent Friere, John Chrysostom, Paul, etc., as, quote, anti-Semites? Shame on them. They're dupes. They're dupes of the, of, uh, the ADL. They're, they're, they're the classic example of uh, the, the people who internalize the commands of their oppressors. Don't internalize the commands of their oppressors. We have our own categories. We don't have to accept their categories. We don't have to offer up incense to their idol. And the biggest idol in the world right now is the Holocaust. And proof of it is the most, the richest man in the world, Elon Musk, was not powerful enough to say no to the Jews. And he goes to Auschwitz and he offers up incense to that idol. I don't need that religion. That is the established religion of the United States of America. Government pays for the establishment of Holocaust museums in every big city in this country. That's not my religion. And don't force your religion on me. I already have one. 
from a user on Cozy. Uh, Dr. Jones, why is paragraph 121 still in the catechism? Uh, I know it's going to come as a shock to you, but I don't know what paragraph 121 is in the catechism. Fair, fair enough. I was figuring maybe you did some context around it would be helpful, but all right, moving on here. Um, let's see. Where was, ah, there was from Atomic, from Atomic Fitness. Uh, should we refound the Legion of Decency and should we look into guidelines like the Hayes Code when storytelling? This is a difficult question because the Hayes, uh, not the Hayes, the Legion of Decency came into existence at a certain time under certain historical circumstances. The Catholic Church was never more unified. It started in 1926 with the Eucharistic Congress in Chicago. <clears throat> the Catholic Church was an ethnic church. They were in many ways immune from psychological warfare because it didn't exist in 1926. There was the CPI propaganda ministry. Basically, there were people, groups of Catholic ethnics who all had ethnic identities like the Polacks in Bridesburg in, in Philadelphia who had got their information from Polish newspapers and Polish priests and were immune, okay? That situation is, does not apply now. And how you could resurrect it, the, the gist of it came down to basically, uh, we will call a boycott if you do uh, immoral films. Well, Hollywood is not the cutting edge of pornography anymore. It's not. You know, they're, they're having hard times. The cutting edge of pornography right now is the rabbi who runs Pornhub and, and Twitter. And so if, if we were going to do something, I think the place we should start is Twitter. And say, look, why am I being subjected to pornography on your site? Gratuitous pornography when I'm trying to figure out the trucker strike in, in or the farmer strike in Germany. Why am I being subjected? This is not fair. Okay, let the people who want pornography go to Pornhub. Let's keep it out of Twitter. Now, I think that's a project that is doable. I think Musk is a, is a reasonable man. He's weak, obviously, because he's offering up incense to that idol. But I think he's trying, he believes in free speech. He put me back on. I was banned. I'm back on Twitter. That's got to change. And that would be something we should, if there's a strategist out there, uh, he should come up with a plan to mobilize the world to get pornography off of Twitter. All right, Doc, it's uh, 602. One more? One more. One more? All right, this is kind of like a two. There's two questions, but it's kind of a, the same thing. Um, Grotto asks, is this just an evil country as in America? And then Rhino would ask, uh, Rhino SG is asking, do you think America is a Christian country? So is it an evil country? Is it a Christian country foundationally? Ed. Satanism is the hidden grammar of America, and you can go. You can read the article, subscribe to Culture Wars. You'll be able to read it, and you'll understand why and why I'm talking about this. Does that mean that every American worships the devil? No, I'm saying that there is a ruling class elite. That Protestantism is part of that elite ideology, and the hidden grammar of Protestantism is Satanism. Read Paradise Lost. Read my article. I, that's where I try and make the case. Every year there are people, poor people, like my ancestors, they come over here because they want to make a living. The Catholic Church was a bulwark against this Protestant uh, ideology. Uh, it should be again. Uh, it will be again. It will be again because if we don't have some type of Catholic revival here, we won't have a country. It's that simple. And that goes a fortiori for Ireland. And it's also true of Germany. I think I see progress in Ireland. I think you're all having buyer's remorse now. But I think it's time for that in America. And it's been crippled because we cannot identify the enemy. What did Jesus Christ say? Chapter 8, Gospel of John, when the Jews picked up stones, when they rejected him as the Messiah, what did they say? What did he say? Your father is Satan. That's the manifestation of American foreign policy right now. The Ayatollah Khomeini was right when he called America the great Satan. He understood the profound hidden grammar of America. But, you know, what? we're all here. We're not guilty of these sins. We're not worshiping the devil. I mean, we as Catholics, there are Catholics who are weak, who go along with this Jewish hegemony for personal gain or out of weakness. But it's going to change. 
because God is in charge of human history. And so where are you going to be? As Patton said, you're going to tell your grandchildren you shoveled shit in Louisiana when you should have stood up to the Jews? That's the big question. Well, there you are. Thanks again. Uh, this has been EMJ Live. We're here every Friday at 5 for those who stumbled on us. Uh, if you're not already, subscribe to Culture Wars magazine at culturewars.com. All of Dr. Jones' books can be found at fidelitypress.org. We have a new book by John Beaumont, uh, The Truth Will Set You Free. Check that out. Buy that. Subscribe to the Telegram, the Cozy, the Bit Shoot, all that. Any final words, Dr. Jones? Yeah, I'm Patrick, I'm waiting to hear from you. I'd like to come on your show and I'd like to clarify this issue. You believe in dialogue. You said that. I'm taking you seriously. You didn't throw me under the bus. I want to come on your show and I want to talk uh, talk this out and straighten things out with Bishop Strickland. There you are. All right, guys. God bless. We'll see you next week.